Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Snape Chat, Voice of the Snape Dome, exploring the world of Severus Snape in art, fanfic, meta, and more. A show by Snape lovers for Snape lovers. I'm your host, Snape-centric. This is our first full episode, and some friends have joined me this time around to add to the fun. This show is all about love for our boy Snape. This episode was also released on May 2nd, which is the date of Snape's purported death. We here at Snape Chat grudgingly acknowledge this as common knowledge, but really, he deserved better. And in our heart of hearts, he lives on. First, we will discuss why Snape, a question many of us have been too busy reading fanfic or scrolling through Tumblr to ask ourselves. Then, I'll be interviewing the wonderful artist, Capybara, whose art will be posted on our website, snapechat.podbean.com. There should be a link on your show notes. Okay, let's get started. This is Snape-centric, along with... Rebecca. Boom. Fallen. As y'all know, Snape's a wonderful character. He's so compelling. We're going to talk about some of the reasons we love him. His background has real effect on the man he became, including elements of poverty, bullying, and grooming. Nonetheless, he became a hero. So about the various aspects of his background that you're talking about, this is one of the things that I like, like most about them. There are many characters who are abused and, you know, have these really, you know, difficult pasts. And, you know, you, you kind of see the end product of how, how those pasts affect them. But Snape is like, his story is kind of told in bits and pieces. Most of the bits and pieces come at the last of it. So you kind of recontextualize everything. But you kind of see where the whole, like how everything transformed him, where he's coming from. He's very understandable not justifiable you know, in most of actions especially as a teacher but you know you you very much know where he's coming from there's a lot of ambiguity in other characters like Dumbledore or Lupin or even Harry so Harry is another character who's really fleshed out very well fleshed out so uh, you know Rowling is very good with the end products you know you can see where they're coming from but Snape and uh, you know Dumbledore and Harry especially these three characters I feel are the most you can you can kind of see their trajectory much better than the others. You know, there's a lot of filling the blanks kind of things that you can do for the other characters, but especially for these ones, there's like you know where they're coming from properly. Lots, lots of things to put in the blanks. You know that are there in the story, and it's kind of like remarkable that you know she was able to tell that story with all the you know small bits and pieces. I was gonna say one thing I always like about Snape is. The characterization, I think there's always a lot to be said about a character who obviously grew up in a cycle of abuse and even goes on to perpetuate some of that abuse himself to a much more minor degree, of course, but still goes on to do so. And yet he still does undeniably good things. It's very nice for people who are in similar situations to be able to look at a character like that and see themselves in it and think, I can still do good things despite feeling the way I feel. Yeah, so what, even if we have had hardships like that, you know, we can become good people. There's something about that character that, a character that is not good at heart. Like, you know, uh, looking at his life, you'd, you'd feel that he would become an evil megalomaniac or something, like Lord Voldemort or something. But Lord Voldemort actually becomes that. There's so much, there's so many parallels between them. Some minor differences between how, how they perceive love, how they came to perceive love as worthless. So, like, Lord Voldemort only saw love as a means of control, as a means of control in the orphanage. You know, he could control people by their love for things that they like. But Snape was not cared for by his actual family. So, he, like, you know, he's not good. Like, you know, his background doesn't make him good. He 
doesn't inspire much confidence but he still tries you know even at his weakest point he's like save save this woman i cared for that's kind of a bad thing if you're being from a very objective kind of moral point of view but it's still nice like it's hopeful this one person who cared for me i'm going to care for them i'm going to protect them at all costs so even at, at his worst it's very hopeful let's say that snape is definitely the most dynamic character in the series for me i can appreciate a lot of stories that take a more nuanced approach the characters like i feel snape does tread the line between being like a good person and a bad person he's not essentially an angel or portrayed to be like that which is a lot of criticism i've had for other characters in the series like james potter or something like that because snape is definitely not portrayed as a morally righteous person 100% of the time however as you learn more about him you begin to understand his motivations and do understand that eventually he was working for the good side even though he might not be the best person which is what i appreciate the most about him because he's such a dynamic figure and you have to look at him with a lot of nuance to him and i think it takes a lot of understanding to understand snape as a person and i just appreciate that about him that goes kind of into our next area was moral ambiguity. I was an adult during the time the last books were coming out. There was a lot of debate about is he good or bad? And then when he killed Dumbledore, a lot of people were like, oh, bad. I thought that Dumbledore was actually pleading for him to kill him. So, but it took, you know, a couple of years till death came out to find out for sure. Yeah, the Phantom Force, right? <laughs> They have got a bad. So at at the end of SBB, uh, if you believe that, you know, mad respect to you because there there was a lot of evidence that he was a bad guy. If you just read the text as is, there was a, there was so much evidence, and ha- Harry didn't believe him, and like Harry was kind of validated, and. at this point like most of uh, what harry has thought has turned out to be true like harry has been correct in most of his assumptions and the only assumption that he was wrong about was snape you know throughout the books and in hbp we find out that he was right harry was right so i i can kind of see how the whole you know the debates went at that point of time <laughs> yeah dh does a great job of recontextualizing it so what did you why did you guys believe that dumbledore was pleading for his life I started about the fourth book I think thinking that Snape was really good underneath all the layers and the suspicions that Harry had I just felt that he was good and when you know Severus please it's like I don't know it just struck me that most people would read it that yeah he was pleading for his life while he was pleading for his death actually it was just a feeling I had Yeah, that line is so ambiguous. Like it really goes both ways and yes. that's one reason I like it so much because no matter what way you thought of it, it could have been right either way and that's part of the genius of Rowling where it I mean you were right no matter what you thought. That was really it because there's no way to prove it until the final book comes out and you figure it out for sure. I always really liked how much of a red herring Snape was. Like in the first book, he's the big red herring of the series. I mean, the entire trio is convinced it's him for the longest time and then they eventually figure out it isn't and he still remains the red herring of the entire series up until the last book where we get the prince's tale and figure out he's been on Harry's side at least the entire time basically. This covers a lot of what I think about Snape, but for me instead of having like book 4 
be the, the moment, like you mentioned, that you began to see Snape as maybe he's not as bad as Harry lets on. For me, that moment was in book five, after the Snape's worst memory chapter, because after Harry's explanation and talking to Lupin and Sirius, I was like, okay. And after ex- learning how much Snape began to help Harry out, I began to understand maybe there's something more about Snape that we didn't know before, especially learning at least a snippet about his past. And that only got answered completely with the Prince's Tale chapter. So that's just how I saw it. Snape's reveals uh, follow a very set pattern, like, you know, Harry, Harry thinks that he's doing something bad, you know, consistently thinks that he's doing something bad. And ultimately, it's revealed that he was actually doing the good thing, you know, in, in book one also. It's very, like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very uh, form-like, to be honest. You know, in the first book, the hex thing, and, you know, after the hex, and Quirrell, of all people, like, Voldemort in disguise, he tells Harry that, you know, Snape was a good guy. <laughs> and Dumbledore also says it, but because of his, you know, because of his rivalry with, not not rivalry I think the animosity between Harry and Snape's own behavior so it, it kind of like makes him a kind of minority in Harry's life and that leads us to conflate a lot of uh, a lot of assumptions that Harry makes make sense because why would a good guy be so antagonistic towards Harry? Harry is a very biased narrator and following his perspectives on the entire series, it leads up to thanking Snape's the bad guy or thanking these assumptions that Harry has because he's a very biased person and he has a very biased perspective, which I can understand where he's coming from considering what he's been told and his personal experiences. However, that really does make it difficult to understand the complexity of Snape until you get the bigger picture. And I do like that in the end, Harry learned to forgive Snape and he showed that through naming his son after him. Which kind of shows how much he grew as a person throughout the entire book series. The thing I like about Harry is, in spite of his limited worldview, so most of his limited worldview is the biased worldview is uh, mostly informed because of his limits, like as a child coming into the wizarding world when he didn't know about it at all. You know, he's surrounded by all these people and he's just taking information from them. But Harry, the, the great thing about Harry is when this conflicting information, he actually like really thinks on it. You know, he considers this. Properly. After the Snape's worst memory chapter, just before that, there was this occlumency lesson, right? And Snape was Snape was kind of antagonistic. Actually, that chapter is very interesting. How Snape can behave around just Harry, who he thinks that could be possessed by Voldemort or something. But still, like just the two of them together. So when the relationship there is kind of less antagonistic than we usually see in the class, but the antagonism is still there because it's very deeply rooted. But uh, you know, Snape views Harry's. Uh, uh, you know, worst memories. I wouldn't say worst memories, but like extremely like shame, not not shameful. It's kind of like very personal memories of Harry, you know, that he'd feel uh, violated by or something. But when Harry sees Snape's memories, he doesn't jump in defense of James like he always does, like he does with Aunt Marge or something. He actually considers it and he's, go, he's so distressed that he goes to Lupin and Sirius and, you know, he has him explain it to him and he actually tries to like really understand you know their point of view and he argues from Snape's point of view in many instances so it, it, it's really nice so it, it's kind of mirrored in the you know DH chapter when he finally sees finally everything makes sense he has all the information that he didn't have before so if he had information before I think he he would have actually considered it his bias mostly comes from his limited knowledge you know if knowledge you give him knowledge then he will like act on it so he's great in that way love that moment like 
the Snape's worst memory chapter in the aftermath of it because it shows that Harry was able to think for himself and he understood and realized what happened was awful. And to hear his heroes, Lupin and Sirius, justify it by this saying that, oh, they were only 15, they didn't know what they were doing, and Harry to still actively call them out, I thought that was a great moment for him. Okay, his bravery is is another thing that I admire about him, how he managed to spend so much time playing the double agent, being there with Voldemort and Death Eaters, knowing that if his cover was blown, he would really be in for a horrible time. Yeah, I 100% agree. Just imagining what he did for as long as he did blows my mind. It Just the difficulty of that alone. Like He had to put a performance on every single day. He couldn't truly show who he really was to anyone except Dumbledore. And even then with Dumbledore, there's the whole, was he a manipulator? Was he a friend towards the end? Did they actually rely on each other? Or was it just a means to an end on Dumbledore's part with Snape kind of thing going on? So for the most part, he was most alone and just he knew he committed a sin and wanted to right that wrong and he really spent years atoning for it i wonder though like snape's bravery is very apparent in the adult life okay, after he starts spying on voldemort and everything but was it a trait that was actually there in him from the start some instances of it because at least in the hilltop scene for example so dumbledore has this you know you disgust me line because he thinks that snape is uh, you know trying to manipulate him so he thinks that he says to snape that you're trying to exchange child and the husband for the wife but snape is not actually trying to do, do that in the scene he's just telling dumbledore to act, just protect lily and just coming to dumbledore as a death eater you know betraying voldemort so you know in the scene he's committing so many kill worthy scenes he's definitely a dead man if dumbledore doesn't take him and voldemort finds out about him uh, contacting dumbledore then he would be killed you know dumbledore himself could kill him because the orders were killing him uh, uh, killing the uh, death eaters at that point and uh, dumbledore gave him to the authorities dumbledore could kill him himself i'm not sure if dumbledore kills or not but the order definitely killed we get this thing from lupin just lethal force like at least use stupefy spells from in the air and if you use stupefy in the air the person is going to die so they didn't have that kind of compunctions the order did kill that was a big risk that you know even 22 years or 21 year old severus took so he was kind of brave in that scene as well and then he recklessly like he's he's very much a gryffindor to be honest like i i get this lutheran trait but the gryffindor traits like you know i i see gryffindor as the gryffindor bravery i see it as kind of reckless kind of bravery for your ideals things that you believe in you're willing to sacrifice it all the kind of thing so gryffindors are willing to do that and snape is very reckless you know in multiple instances like you know in this hilltop scene and you know with the minister fudge you know he shows in the dark mark i don't know how they have explained that to voldemort like yes sir, I'm, I'm a loyal follower of yours but i just gave uh, showed my dark mark showed proof of your existence when you didn't want it to the minister so that he could deploy against you sooner and that was a very reckless move and voldemort would definitely have seen this interaction right because fudge was in lucius's pocket so you know fudge would have told lucius about so this was not a memory he could have hit you know he showed this to Voldemort so it's just like fun to imagine how he could have really explained that it's kind of a very pro Dumbledore move I like his looks I like the black frock coat which is a, a Victorian yeah coat. Victorian style yeah. right yeah uh, I think it was a movie only decision in the books he, he just wears a cloak not a frock coat and the button up, you know, all those buttons. No, he actually does. I, I can't remember where, but it is a frock coat. 
I can't quote the book or anything, but anyway, the Black Bat of the Dungeons. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, I saw an interview by Alan Rickman where he kind of, I don't know if I saw it or I read it or something. So he said somewhere that the, the many buttons of his, they kind of like signify his close-up personality in the movies. In the books, he's kind of open. He's close-up sometimes, but he's very much an, uh, you know, and you can see what what he's kind of feeling about you. If he if he feels that you're, a, you know, he doesn't like you, then you'll know about it. So, <laughs> but in the movies, it's like, you know, he's kind of cold and, you know, reserved and kind of older so the button choice Alan Rickman said was kind of a reflection of that and it kind of makes sense in the books as well close to your heart all the secrets were close to his heart Frogwood makes sense it is a very Victorian thing the whole the whole of magical society is somehow like stuck in the Victorian era it adds to the world a lot and you know in, in the books yeah of the, about the frog coat I, I before this I, I really thought that he just wore cloak frog coats made sense because of the worst memory that he had he was basically exposed to this to this student body and made to feel powerless and everything so it makes sense he, you know, he'll try try to minimize the danger of it ever happening again if, if he's ever levy corpus again no no underwear showing now his snart is another wonderful thing about him thumbs up mm-hmm. with the funniest phrases this actually a, he's such a great example of this trope that there's actually a TV trope named after not named after him but like it has his picture on it a tall dark and snarky you know that TV trope yes <laughs> yes name is a picture for it oh yeah that's very true I always liked um I always thought his dry humor was kind of the best even when I was young and read how he like insulted some of the kids in the classroom I thought it was pretty funny I always loved teachers like that because usually they'd go after you know the boys who were too rowdy or the idiots the class clowns and those type and because I was just a normal student I was usually out of the warpath zone so I could just sit back and enjoy it as others got embarrassed instead of me <laughs> and Snape definitely seems to fit that which I think is one reason I like him I think when Dumbledore says you know that he should kill him and he's like would you like me to do that now or do you want time to compose an epitaph you know he just would come up with these things yeah you definitely get the sense that his words were usually pretty carefully measured before he actually said anything so I imagine there was a lot of stuff he said and only in his mind and I wish we could have like been there to see it uh, his mind would have been an uh, interesting place so I, I think this this habit was you know <laughs> he uh, he deliberately inculcated this habit because his words have been like drivers of the worst things in his life like you know if, if he had considered words carefully before in his life when as he was a kid you know, as he was a kid, he was kind of like, there's, there's a very big difference between, you know, Snape of the old and, you know, Snape of the young. You know, as he, as a young child, he's very inarticulate. Like, old Snape is, like, very snarky. He, he can come up with these amazing comebacks. He, he can insult people. Like, Dolores he doesn't even, like, understand that he's insulting her. <laughs> you know, obviously. <laughs> yeah, the way Rickman uh, delivered that line. So, yeah. Obviously, yes. And then... Oh, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very accurate representation. <laughs> I think even Rowling, like, you know, Rickman has been so influential in the Snape voice uh, that everyone hears Rickman's voice. <laughs> even Rowling. <laughs> you know, she's admitted that somewhere, that she can't read the books, you know, Snape's lines without you know, Rickman's voice. That's true. To me, he has a lot of different faces, but it's always Rickman's voice. Another thing that I I love about him is his angst. We don't really know what it's like until the prince's tale. We get hints throughout the series 
of things he deals with besides Harry being a pain in the ass to him. But we find out at the prince's tale that his life, for the most part, was not so great. He had a friendship with Lily and he had his intelligence. But other than that, everything kind of went to shit, including this dying by Snape. That's horrible. Like, especially in the location, like, you know, <laughs> shrieking Jack. Oh. <laughs> he got away from it three times. He did what, three times? Three times, like, you know, first, first Lupin, then again Lupin, when he had not taken the bull's plane. And, you know, uh, from Snape's point of view, he was just basically at the mercy of these two, uh, you know, this this murderer and his accomplice who had been fooling Dumbledore for a while, you know, and, and then, of course, you know, the last time. In terms of angst, like, he, he's like the perfect Byronic hero, like, very archetypal Byronic hero. So much full of angst, you know, bitter and angry at the world. <laughs> and, you know, with these hidden depths. I don't know, even when I read fix, sometimes I'll search for angst as a tag word just because, I don't know, I like miserableness or something. <laughs> really? <Not> really. <laughs> I, I think that every Snape fan was, you know, a fan of angst because, you know, most stories I've read, you know, they're like, they do a boy so dirty and like... <laughs> Yeah, lots of angst, lots of bad things happening to him. Yeah, me too. I read it. I'm kind of a weenie about it, but I love it. It's like, oh, I can't stand it. I'll bite my nails, but I can't stop reading it. <laughs> you are braver than I am. Can't stand it. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, his. I think his like actual story is sad enough that I don't want more sadness on top of it. So if I actually do read something, I much prefer like fluff and comfort and that kind of stuff, or just canon compliant where it doesn't get worse, but it's not necessarily any better either. Just give him the love. <laughs> just give him a happy life. Yeah, exactly. I just my heart can't take it. I need happiness, not sadness. There's enough sadness going around this year. It's because he deserved better. <laughs> That's the exact opposite of me. I read so much angst fix, it's not funny. <laughs> it is nice, you know, looking at other characters suffer for a change. You know? Like, not, not you, but the, the character who's suffering. And you know that, you know, he's going to come out okay. Like, I, I only read angst of that kind. <laughs> if I know that's a tragic ending, you know, <laughs> I run for the hills. <laughs> I can't, you know, I need to know something good will happen, you know. <laughs> he's going through all this pain. Something good will happen. People remember him well or something. You know? And it's, it's, it's so tragic that the angst basically, like, it comes from his feelings, like the intensity of his feelings like you know his his hatred is strong his love is strong and you know his sense of betrayal is strong his sense of longing is strong you know he's he's very feely my love for him like mostly like admiration for this guy i'm mostly like ron i'm not like snape at all but like i really appreciate you know that level of devotion and everything I was going to say, in regards to the angst thing, I think one of my favorite things about Snape's entire story is that once everything's revealed, you're kind of able to go back and look at the story as a whole, even in different books, and suddenly understand why Snape acted some of the way he acted. Like, I remember being confused as to why he lost it so much in Prisoner of Azkaban towards the end with uh, Lupin and Sirius. And you get some of an explanation in Order of the Phoenix, of course, when you find out Snape's worst memory and stuff like that. But once you find out everything's also been for Lily and that he would have honestly believed that Sirius was like the last step for Voldemort to kill Lily in a way, that also reveals why he was just so upset at Sirius in the first place. Like even more so than on his own behalf, it was because he was convinced that Sirius was the reason Lily died. Like he put his own misplaced guilt on Sirius in a way. And I think that's why he reacted in such a volatile manner, which was very unusual for him. Like that's one of the few times where we really see him lose 
loves it. And then I also like looking back at, um, sorry, real quick, I was gonna say, I also like looking back at one of the times when Harry and Snape are doing occlumency lessons, and you don't notice it at the time so much, but there's a part where he sees Harry having a memory of seeing Lily in the mirror of a rice, and he has a reaction to that, and you don't really get to appreciate it until you see the tale and realize that they were good friends and that he cared for her so much and that he spent a good portion of his life trying to atone for the sin he did in regards to her. Yes, that's so true. And this kind of segues into the love that he felt. You know, many people associate the phrase always with him. His steadfastness to his friend's memory is really appealing to people. Kind of inhuman. You know, how could anyone be so devoted? Like It's remarkable. Always. And it, it's kind of mirrored with, I don't know why people, especially recently, people have started like casting the always in a bad light. And there's this, uh, you know, it, it, it's a direct comparison to like James. James also says this, you know, in the next chapter, I think, that until the end, when Harry says that, till when, when uh, will you be uh, be with me or something? You know, will you be uh, support me? And you know, James says until the end. And it's like very compared to the purity of that love is comparable to Snape's purity of love towards the person, really, the person he cared about. If you think about going back again to the beauty of his Patronus kind of illustrated the purity of his love for her. Uh, it's not about getting in with her or something. And JKR, I think, has commented on this for both for the, I think, the changing of Petronas, but so that applies to both Tonks and Snape. So she has said that, you know, it signifies eternal, unconditional love. So, you know, you kind of like see these noble characteristics in this love. That's, that's really great. I don't know why people would want to like cast it in a bad light at all. Yes. Another thing that I love about Snape is he's so thickable, as in fan fiction. He's a rich canvas for art and thick and head cannons. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a lot of different ways people can interpret him, even with like sticking with canon, you know? Like we do get a lot of information for him, but even just little things like would, would he have been a fan of the Beatles? Would he have smoked? That kind of stuff. Like it's interesting to see what people include for him and what people take so seriously for his characterization. He's this amazing uh, background that has so many possibilities. I think Harry is like the only person who you can actually like have so many fics with. And Harry is mostly a blank canvas. He's like a reader self-inserting most fic you know, and Harry-centric fic. But in Snape fic, the element of the element of reader, author, self-insert will always be there. But it's very minimal in Snape fix. Like they, they actually like really try to port portray Snape and his life and how it could have like different possibilities of how it, it could have gone. And there are already so many rich possibilities in canon. Like, you know, he came from Copeworth. Jackson has these amazing stories about, you know, his home life. And I think they, they, they are also kind of from that area in England. So, you know, they, they understand the local culture a lot. So, you know, it's great to read about how Snape is portrayed there. You know, the possibilities there. And, you know, there's so many points at which Snape's story could have changed. He's a good character at heart, but his life brings him towards a dark path. It's like the universe is trying to make him into a dark wizard. You know, it's like, you know, sorting into Slytherin and so he, he had this you know, really weird idea about you know Slytherins being the intelligent type you know the brainy rather than brawny type so I wonder if he got it from his mother uh, you know I, I wonder if he got it from his mother and like if his mother influenced them and most stories have Alien as Slytherin but I just wanted to like talk about how, how many points of change there are in Snape's stories anything that could have changed maybe a newer friendship you know maybe an extra friend uh, maybe uh, him sorting into 
to a different house maybe him you know his, his and lily's relationship being stronger and not fraying at all so many parts of change and dumbledore kind of says that right ki he uh, has rejoined aside you know uh, in in this goblet of fire chapter called the trial uh, where the where the trials are and carcroft names snape as one of the death eaters and uh, you know dumbledore says that snape rejoined aside you know he didn't say joined aside you know he rejoined it he was in their side you know dumbledore understood the potential i think and also the dark aspects of course like <laughs> i really like dark snape stories i like the ones where he actually survived the shrieking shack but like i said i believe in santa claus and snape is still alive out there living with the muggles so there you go there's nothing there's no can information conflicting with that we our, our theories can <laughs> you know <laughs> we'll form the uh, snape lives you know snape lived a happy life ever after okay well i think we've covered pretty much everything appreciate everybody coming to uh, join us here and i think that'll do it Next, I'll be talking with Capybara. Many of you will be familiar with their blog on Tumblr. We have also posted their art to the episode 2 show notes on our website, snapechat.podbean.com. There will also be a link in the episode notes on your player. And this is an interview with Capybara, a wonderful artist. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a student artist. I'm living in France. I do uh, motion design studies. which means i'm doing a lot of animation and and drawing i'm 21 how long do you have to go to school for that is it for a degree or it's hard to explain because outside friends uh, it's different uh, uh, way to to do that but i am uh, i have a degree in uh, animation cinema. oh okay and right now i will have another diploma in motion design at the end of the year oh okay and after that i want to to have a bachelor in illustration oh wow well from what i've seen you, you've got the talent to, to accomplish all that thank you very much so what brought you to the harry potter world did did you grow up with it yeah kind of so the movie when i was little at the age of 12 i began to read the book and i remember at first i wasn't especially attracted to snape sure. <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah i i didn't i didn't care about him but the next year i began to have my teenager time i don't know how to say it yeah that's that's good you're teenage yeah, teenage years okay. <laughs> yeah things were were very difficult in school with my comrades and with myself i have yeah. a, i had a really difficult relationship with her, my with my look and the way over perceived me and then i don't know i remember about snape this ugly character but so brave at the end and Yeah. I don't really know why but I began to really l- relate to him and and so I be <laughs> I began to read f- fan fiction and to so artwork and mm-hmm. so it's been 7 years now oh wow and That's... it's uh, yeah and recently in June 
I began to post fan art of Snape and I saw that people liked it. So I just continue and build a whole blog about it. Well, we're so glad that you did. <laughs> um, so what do you like the best about Snape? I like the the contrast between his appearance, appearance, the fact he is so brave. Like, he is fucking, he is really courageous. Yes. Uh, and I don't know, sorry if I'm not really clear. Uh, oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> oh, his bravery, that's a really big part of him. Going against the Death Eaters. Yeah, and like, he, he dedicates his whole life to a cause. Yes. And, yeah. I, I, I kind of li like it. Yeah. Like that. I like that about him, too. Um, how long have you been creating art? I began to draw when I was really little. Uh -huh. So I can't really say when I began. And now it's my study and it will uh -huh. probably be my job. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> But it's only... I started uh, doing Snape fan art when I was 13. But okay. it's really only in uh, recently, in June, that I began to really uh, draw him a lot. Well, you've, you've done some remarkable pieces. <laughs> I, I just love them. So, I would ask... I, one of my questions was if you were self-taught, but obviously you've... you've directed your life and your studies around art it's it's not just a sideline for you yeah but when i be when i began when i started out i was self-taught okay and um what mediums do you like to work with we've seen so many of your pencil drawings which i think i saw one that that you were showing you were actually drawing it with mechanical pencil which I'd never seen that before, and it's it just kind of amazes me. So you do pencil and others, I assume, with with animation, that probably. Yeah, pencil is my comfort tool. Mm -hmm. That's why I draw with that a lot uh, on my snap blog. Uh, but uh, besides that, I I do a lot of other stuff. I like to work with water, watercolor. Oh, uh, nice! Acrylic, mm -hmm. uh, color, color pencil, uh, ink, a lot of oh. different stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and you do a lot of digital work as well. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, and and digital work, of uh -huh. course. Yeah. How long does it take you to do one of your pencil drawings? It, <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's a tricky question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just a bit difficult to answer. It depends. I'm sure on the on the level of detail and such. I guess what struck me watching you draw, it just seemed like you were very quick at it, and yeah, it just kind of amazed. So. Uh yeah, I worked years and years to be able to draw as fast as I draw now. Uh -huh. But I, I'd say that for it's difficult without how artwork to show. Hmm. 
my usual ad hoc that I post, I wow. take one or two hours, not more. Wow. That's, that's really something. Yeah, but when, what is, when there are a background, a detailed, detailed background, uh, like the, 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 the commission for Kira, Kira Snape addict, uh, with, uh, uh, Severus in Dumbledore's office. Oh, yes. I took 30 hours. That is, that is such a detailed piece. I can understand that. Yeah, I, I had to look at, uh, photo of the, 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 ba the background of the movie and, yeah, a different point of view for creating another point of view with all the detail at the right place. It was it was really challenging. Well, you you did an amazing job. Thanks. And um, everybody really needs to see these works. Um, go to the website, and uh, we'll have um. The ones we're talking about up there, so there'll be seven pieces. Oh, we're just talking about where to find your art. I know you do Tumblr. It's yeah. CappySnapeArt at Tumblr.com. And we'll have a link on the website. Do you post anywhere else? Uh, no, only here. Uh-huh. Well, I'm so glad you do. <laughs> okay. Well, that's pretty much questions I had for you start talking about the pictures themselves. Folks, you can go to snapchat.podbean.com to uh, see this on our website. If you get a chance to look along, that's great. If you're traveling or, or such, um, take the time to look later. Okay, so the first one it depicts Snape with Nagini wrapped around him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I see. Uh huh. One of my favorite piece I made, uh, because I wanted to, to draw, the way, he brave death, right in the eyes. Yes. Uh, he he, the way he he challenged death. And so I drew him with Nagini. And I, I'm really satisfied with the, the, the way, the way it look, it look at the end. Yes. Yeah, I think it would be a cool tattoo, honestly, for me. Oh, what a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the, the textures that you got with the snake. Just really subtle markings on it. Yeah, and I have a picture reference. Of snake for helping me. Oh, great! Doing that. Uh huh. The other, to me, his look is like, oh, this is how I die. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And he's, he's, yeah. He's he is facing it just, just as you say. This one, it's called. Well, I don't know. Some of these works were done for um, what's called Snape Tober. And what happens during the month of October, there is a list of prompts. Each artist interprets it differently, which is wonderful. And this one shows Snape sitting on the stool. Young Snape, very young, with the sorted hat on his head. 
and he has this sweet, innocent, but doubtful face. His expression is just wonderful. Uh, yeah, the prompt was Death Eater. And at first I wanted to draw, like, Snape during an attack with other Death Eater. But I don't know, it was really expected and I wanted to do something else. And when uh, I, I thought about the fact his life was written to be to end like this and to uh, that this kind of set everything in motion yeah like he will gonna choose to be a death eater and then regret it and they pay his whole life to repair the choice and so I wanted to uh, start at the beginning and because I think uh, no the beginning were with his parents but when Severus has been sorted into Slytherin, I think there there are no other choice possible for him for his future. I yes. don't know if you see what I mean. Oh yes, I understand. That's that's uh, such a wonderful way of portraying it as well. Okay, this next one. This is depicting Snape's worst memory, where. His mouth is full of soap and there's little bubbles everywhere. James has pushed him down onto the ground and has his wand in his face. And Sirius looks on, kind of a smile. Peter has this really impish look. But Lupin is turned away and you see a little bit of shame on his face. I don't know how to transition to... What do you think? Okay. Um. I like this piece because it's the first time I portrayed the the marauder. Uh -huh. I really like how how he turned out at the end. Oh yes. Uh, the the way I choose to draw the different uh, character with James looking Severus bright in the eyes, smiling, and and Sirius and Pettigrew kind of participate with this same smile. But Lupin, I have conflicted feeling about him. Sure. He, he chose to, to look away, but he was a prefect and he potentially have had the power to stop that. Yes. And I think that that's so sad for, for Snape. Yes. Yeah. The next one, the prompt was crying, and here is teenage Snape, I believe, and he's just kind of melting. His tears are running down his face. His tie is askew, and his robes are falling off, and his shirt is coming down. It's just a really effective piece. But yeah. I imagined this drawing after thinking of uh, the, the the sexual assault uh, oh. James did to mm -hmm. to Snape. Right. And I wanted to picture the the distress, the way he was a, a victim 
of that and and the fact he was so young so vulnerable yes yes yeah, and uh, i think it's just i i like how is it's effective it effective is just the word i was thinking of too yes please go to the website and check out these drawings that maybe we start with the one where he's embracing his younger self yeah and then going to the one where his younger self is kind of helping him on mm. okay okay i i saw these two pieces as uh uh a set yes they are made to be seen together it's a bit it, it it's a bit the, the same concept as uh, my drawing with the sorting hat because there was there are this innocent snape young even vulnerable and his older self with a lot of of trauma and and the the books strewn on the floor yeah yeah and he has just a such a wide-eyed look mm -hmm. and and just the way adult snape just kind of wraps himself around him i guess yeah. we we talk about healing our inner child this this is a real illustration of that it, yeah. you know him trying to do that yeah exactly i was thinking of, thinking of that and then the second piece yeah when he's dying this time it's his younger self that come and comfort him because at the end nobody was here for him he died alone i i like angst i do too <laughs> <laughs> yes this is such an evocative piece i also like the robes how the fabric lies and the shading is just i really like it Thanks. So then we have one more piece. This is Snape in the headmaster's office with his head on the desk, surrounded by books and lines and angles and arches repeated in the chairs and the furniture as well the windows and, and so on. So this was a commission, right? Yep. It was a commission for Kira Kira Snape Addict. <sighs> and in itself, I don't have much to say about the drawing, but <laughs> it's like it's just that it requires so much research oh. <laughs> and so much work. Uh, each each individual book, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and I have yeah I have to recreate an angle of shot that is not in the in the movie. So you kind of interpolated yeah. what it would look like from this angle yeah that's it excellent okay well that's that's it please go to the website and look at these pictures they're amazing i'd like to thank capybara for joining me today yeah uh, thank you for listening well, take care well that's our show at the end of the podcast is where we'd like to make announcements and things like fests contacts and the like so please contact us be sure to go to our website, snapechat.podbean.com, to see Cappy's excellent art. There should be a link in your episode notes. 
and we want to hear from you about what you think and what you would like to hear on the show because your opinion matters to us. We are all the Snapedom. Till next time, this is Snape Centric urging you to stay Snapey. Thanks to Chris Clavenis for the lovely music.